God is good. Amen? Amen. So uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to open up uh, the sixth commandment, um, thou shalt not kill. It's kind of a, a little tough subject, but it's good. So you're going to find a, get some good insight here. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you care about life, Lord, a lot. Lord, it's reflected in your view of creation and the way that you made us in your image. Lord, that you protect life. You think it's important. Lord, and there's not a one person here that's not guilty. Lord, of course, not every person here, including myself, have actually killed somebody. But Lord, you say that it's equivalent to murderous thoughts. Lord, anger is rooted in uh, the spirit of murder. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you'd wipe out that which is killing ourselves and killing others around us. Lord, that we, with our verbiage, Lord, with our facial expressions, with our looking down upon people, Lord, when they don't meet our expectations, our impatience, Lord, even when they do something wrong, Lord, show us how to be gracious in the midst of the world. Lord, to have love for the people the way that you do. Lord, and to be protective too, Lord. I know as a, we're not gonna decide today what the culture should be like, but I pray that those in charge, leaders and senators and uh, presidents and governors, Lord, who are in charge of these things and the people as we vote, Lord, in our nation today, that we'd have the right laws in place. Lord, that, that fit and reflect what you desire and also keep us safe without being capricious. Lord, we want to have grace for people, but at the same time, Lord, we live in a culture where the innocent need to be protected as well. I don't know that balance. And Lord, I don't want to point my finger at anyone else because I feel personally that I could be guilty, Lord, without your intervention of anything. Lord, there's no limit to the evil that's within me without your incredible power and mercy in my life. And I praise you for it. And I just want to ask you, will you invite God's mercy into your soul right now? Just invite him in. Say, Lord, be merciful on me. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your love. We need your power, Lord. In Jesus' name, do I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Well, uh, today's commandments, uh, I was just going to put, if you put that first one up there, Rob. Is Rob back there? There you go. You guys can put that first slide up there if you would. Yeah. Hey, Rob. There you go. There it is. You know, we call them the Tender Commandments. Don't you like that name? The ten, I, I didn't come up with that. A, a really great pastor named Ron Mel, who, who passed away a few years ago, uh, really a, 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 um, a father in the faith to, to Jody and I in, indirectly. We didn't have a close relationship with him, but he's someone who's spoken to our lives many times, um, came up with that name. And um, I'm not preaching his sermon. I'm preaching my own, but um, I, I love the thought of it because... It's really a picture of a father taking care of a nation. Um, You could say his kids. And I love how Paul summarizes the commandments. He says the commandments, and he kind of lists them all out. And he says, you know, you shall not commit adultery. You shouldn't murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And you have to see that this is what it's rooted in. When God says, you know, thou shalt not kill... It's that word ratzak in the Hebrew. 
in the semantic domain of, of this structure, where it is in the Hebrew, it, it means to, to, to murder. That's why it's translated in some of the newer uh, English versions is in our culture today, murder. I'm going to give you some context of where it fits in the scripture and also how Jesus reflects on it so that we can bring it home. Um, I'm not sure if there's someone who has murdered somebody here, um, but I'll just tell you, if you have, God has mercy for you. You know, and you probably know the destruction. You probably served time. And if not, may God's justice and mercy be upon you. I do mean justice, that the right things would happen. Um, God is sovereign over all things. Do I hear an amen? amen. He, he is the actual inventor of life. Uh, that's what he did. And so uh, just a quick uh, a reminder, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time, the first of the commandments to review them. Number one is I started with I'm your God. God starts these commandments saying who he is and how he's freed you. Then he says, don't turn to idols. You know, they're not going to help you. And then he says, don't misuse my name. How many know that the name of God is precious? And, and not just like a, you know, a person says, you know, don't swear. I don't want you to swear. I don't like it. It's not that kind of a childishness attitude that God has when he's talking about misusing his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's, it's a powerful name. You could talk to God about God to anybody. Just say, I believe in God. They go, yeah, I do too. And this and that. But you go, well, Jesus. And you, men- you mentioned Jesus. And all of a sudden, people go, what? Um, because the name of Jesus has power. People, I said, they don't curse. People don't curse, oh, Eric. People curse, oh, Jesus. Don't they? It's universal. And God say, don't misuse my name. Instead of using it that way, the next time you start to go a curse, you start to say, gee, darn it. You go down that, right? Instead, why don't you just say, Lord, can you bless it? Can you turn it around? And can you let and, let, and give God room in grace to, to change things. And then the Sabbath day, this is leading up to the do not murder, do not kill. Remember the Sabbath day, God wants us, his people to be rested. That you don't put your hope in your work and your job and just your efforts. But that you put your hope that God is actually sovereign. And that he can actually prosper you in the job that you have. I'm always amazed at how God has prospered me throughout this life. The times I've done less, I'm not talking about lazy. I am not a lazy person at all. I probably would be the opposite. But you know what? Times when God has restrained me and told me to rest has been the biggest blessing. Because he shows me that he's the one that's providing. And honor your parents that it may go well with you. It's honoring in general. Honor God. Honor. God wants the image, and this is bringing us up to this, to this command. Thou shalt not kill. God loves the life and the creation he made. Amen? Turn to someone and say, God likes you. You may, you may not think so, but he sent his son because he loves you and he likes you. Um, honor your parents and honor the people around you. Is God wants us to honor the image and the people that he's made, the souls that he's created, these eternal souls that he's created, that we're to honor them, we're to give them esteem. Again, you're, we're going to see Jesus say, I don't even want you to have the spirit of anger and rage with your spouse, with your brother, with your sister, with your mom, with your dad, with whatever it is, because it dishonors them. It moves them down. We live, the true wrath that will come from God is the only one that is purely just and right.
So honor your parents. And then number six, and let's get right to it. And Lord, I pray that you'd make these scriptures come to life. Number six, next slide. Father, open up our eyes and our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. You shall not murder. This is actually the shortest verse in the Old Testament. Okay? It's, it's pretty concise, and there's a good four words that I think that match this in the New Testament, and it is, your sins are forgiven. Amen? Because we might feel that conviction of those four words, thou shalt not kill, and think, oh my gosh, what have I done? And to understand this, again, you understand that God's value of life, this command shows that God values the life that he has given. Can you put the next two slides and then one more? Yeah, and one more. There it is. Thanks, Rob. Um, it, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Think about it. God made you, and he made you in his image. And now he's making the command, us to another, you don't kill any of them. Amen? Don't kill any of them. I made them. Who do they belong to? Right? I mean, the only one that has legitimate right to take life would be God. Amen? He created it. And you might say, well, that's not fair. Fair? Fair according to what? What, are you going to quote the penal code to God? You shouldn't have killed me. Why? I don't know. Because of the California penal code? Because of the Utah laws? Because of the, state, uh, the federal government? Because the president said so? What's God going to go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to dishonor the president. How many know that the president is subject to God? Amen. How many know that the planets and gravity and everything is subject to God? Amen. They must bow. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow before God. That's what Isaiah says. In the end, we will all stand before God. And he will remain God. And he will remain who he is. We are under God's domain. Life is under God's charge. So when he's going to give these commands, and I'm going to give you four or five variations of this, thou shalt not kill. Understand, he says to the people in Deuteronomy, after he gives the commands, he says, so I've set before you, can everyone say, life and prosperity, death and destruction. And then he says, follow my ways, follow my ways. Listen to the commands I get you, and you're going to live, and you're going to increase, and I'm going to bless the land as you enter into it. Follow these ways. Because guess what? They could have killed each other. They could have, you know, just said, well, I don't like him. Boom. Who's to stop you? Right? And in today's world, too, you know, survival of the fittest. So I took him out, and I live, and they didn't. Well, but I don't want to get arrested. Okay, well, then don't get caught. Right? And that's the rationale of today. But God created man in his own image. Listen to Jesus' comments on the subject. Okay? He talks about it. He's going to refer, just like I'm referring to him, He's, I'm referring to him, referring to our scripture today. He says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago. He's saying, the Israelites, a couple thousand years ago, let me tell you what was said to them. You know, you heard this. Okay, now it's been like almost 4,000 years. He says, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, now understand, Jesus is going to be heading to the cross over the next, you know, 10 or 10, 15 chapters. He's heading to the cross, and the Pharisees are acting like they got it all together. Isn't that the religious people? 
Listen, just because you wear a three-piece suit doesn't mean you don't have bitterness, right? You can look as polished as possible. Hey, how you doing? You can be polite and do all your P's and Q's. But internally, you can be going, you idiot. It's that word, raka, you fool. That's what it is. This is him. The Pharisees are acting like they're so religious. They don't need these rules. They're above it. And he's going to go, they go, we didn't kill anybody. And I'm not going to take a show of hands because there'll be that one person who doesn't raise their hand. (laughs) Anyone here kill anybody? Everyone goes, no. One guy goes. (laughs) Listen, the thing is, is that he's going to raise the bar even higher so that they'll admit their sin. So that when he goes to the cross, they can receive redemption. Look at the next slide, what he says. But I tell you, say it with me, but I tell you. You've heard it said. Say, but I tell you. And he says here, he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. There it is. He raises the bar. You think it's just murder? You think it's just adultery? If you even check her out or check him out, you're in trouble. And then he says, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in the dangers of the fires of hell. How many are sorry you came to church today? (laughs) Seriously. Because you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, how many have been angry in your heart this way? How many have killed people with your voice? You know, I've done it to my kids. I've done it to my spouse. I've done it to my staff. I've done it to people. Just little cutting words. That's all you need. Just a little bit of cutting action and you could bring somebody down. And then all of a sudden, God starts convicting you and he goes, I don't want you doing that anymore. You're going, oh, Lord, it's just a little anger. It's good to get it off my chest, right? Right? And all of a sudden you go, God's not answering my prayers right now. What's going on? I mean, he even says that with your, with your spouse, Right? He says, you start to have bitterness with your spouse or anger with your spouse. You know, he says, he goes, don't come worship me. He goes, take care of that first. Right? How many need to take care of some stuff? <laughs> There's a bunch of you guys thinking, oh my gosh. You know, Moses, King David, Paul, they're all great men of God. That's what they have in common. They also have another thing in common. You know what it is? Well, Moses murdered the Egyptian, didn't he? Because he was supposed to bring deliverance for the children of Israel. So he thought, well, I'll just go kill, start killing this guy to show him that I care. And he did not find favor with that. And King David, you know, he was supposed to be in battle fighting, but he took a break at home, a too long of a break. And all of a sudden he started checking out Bathsheba in the shower down below him. And the next thing you know, he's together with Bathsheba. There's the king in deep trouble. But we've never seen any problems like that in our culture. You know what he said? You know, the Bible says that he sends, he sends Uriah, Uriah, the, sorry, the Hittite, who's, his, who's her husband, and he kills him indirectly. He sends him to the battle, and God says, I know what you did. See, God doesn't condemn him for the battle fighting in war. He condemns him for individually killing an innocent man. But guess what? How many know that David also prophesied about the Lord and went to be with the Lord. There is grace. Amen? 
And how about Paul? Paul approved Stephen's death and gave um, authority to it. You know, it says that when he breathed out murderous threats, and it says on Stephen's death, it says Paul, you know, was right there with the stones, leaning over him at something he regretted. But still, he's the one who wrote the New Testament, lots of the New Testament. How many are thankful for the grace and mercy of God? Jesus is not bringing this up to bring you judgment. You know, anyone who does this is answerable to judgment. He's, he's bringing the non-people who are thinking they're safe and showing them, no, you're not. And you might look and go look at the person in the prison and go, you murderer, how dare you? But I'm telling you, you have the same capability without God in your own soul. You may not realize it, but you just haven't found the right circumstances. I'm so encouraging. <laughs> Welcome to the adventure. <laughs> I picked the wrong message, but this is a good, all, it's all the word of God. Okay, what this commandment does not address, let me give you a few quick things that it doesn't address. I'll go through them quickly, okay? This command does not address capital punishment. When he says, thou shalt not kill. He had them, listen to what he says, anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be what? Put to death. He, he, imagine this tribe of Israel, you know, a clan living out in the wilderness and living out in the desert, moving to a place of promise. And God is saying, I don't want you to kill anybody, but hey, if somebody does, then I want you to kill them. Take care of them. And it wasn't like today where you have these big, long appeal processes with capital punishment. And I don't know how it fits in our culture exactly, you know, but I know in those days it was done swiftly. That afternoon, you were put down. Because, why? Because God wants to kill people and he's all mad. No, God was trying to protect life. Do I hear an amen? God put these commands so that they wouldn't do it. He says it over and over again. Um, He says, whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. Um, Oh, I I forgot one thing. Put it back on that cap. Yeah, leave it there. However, if it is not done intentionally, but God lets it happen. In other words, it's an accident. It's, you know, the force of nature. And it's saying there, if God does it, they are to flee to a place I'll designate. God put these cities of refuge through Israel. You know, if you, go, if you read through the book of Joshua, you'll see that he put it several up there, and Joshua also reinstates that same command. So if you killed somebody, but it was an accident, it was a disagreement, you hit it, and someone fell, it wasn't an intentional murder, it says you could go to the city of refuge. And he, it had all kinds of rules. If, you, if the person died, or, the, you know, I mean, if there, if there was a certain lapse, it was related to the per- priest or the pastor of that place, um, could uh, pass judgment on it, but it was a safe place. You weren't allowed to go there and strike him dead in retribution. But instead of bringing like a jury of peers like we would do today, they they brought a jury of wise men. Imagine it like a a Supreme Court, you know, where hopefully wise people, hopefully wise people will make good decisions in the land. You know, but once, just like in our country, if, if you eventually have nine people that aren't wise, then they'll start to make unwise decisions and the country will go down. That's the way it'll happen. Another one is B, self-defense. 
If a thief is caught breaking in at night and struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. In other words, if it was dark and it didn't happen and you struck this person, you thought you were getting thieved, you know, robbed, then the Bible says, then we're not going to hold you guilty as like an intentional murder. Okay? So it doesn't address this. Um, but they have to make restitution. Um, go ahead, letter C. And then there's also, this command does not de- uh, address declaration of a just war. In other words, how many know that war is a terrible, awful thing? Every time, there's no great, fun war. Oh, it was a great war. War is always terrible. Even when we're killing our enemies, it's a terrible thing. You know, you know, my, my parents will tell you who grew up as kids and later on in World War II that, you know, just because they fought against the Germans doesn't mean they hated the Germans. You know what I mean? Some of it was government forced of throwing. But there is such a thing of a just war. And what I mean by that is when you're, there are some things worse than war and that's when your freedom's at stake. You know? Or your kids or family is in danger where the only option you have, you've tried diplomacy and tried other things, and you say you must defend defend yourself. Just like if someone comes into my house and tries to attack my family, and I'm rash reasoning with them, and, and you know trying to talk with them, and then I realize this isn't going to go anywhere, and the person says, I'm going to attack you. Well, guess what? I'm not going to go, well, I just want to be peaceful. Go ahead and kill my daughters. No big deal. No, are you kidding me? I'm going to become a bear that you've never seen before. You know, you are in deep trouble. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of hamburgers heading your way, buddy. <laughs> You're going to get crushed. And, and, and look at, and David, remember, David was anointed for war. He had the mighty men who were anointed to fight. And when I pray for our soldiers, I pray that they be good warriors. Amen? And I don't want them to lose. I want them to win. That's how we pray, and I believe that God can empower us. But David, while he was strengthened, it says he trains, God trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He's the same one that when he individually killed Uriah the Hittite, that he got condemned for it. And he got in big trouble. I mean, he had huge consequences to the whole kingdom. I mean, just awful. And Ecclesiastes says there's a time for love, there's a time for hate, a time for joy, a time for war, a time for peace. Um, and put it this way, next slide, Jesus is not bloodthirsty and looking for war. He says, blessed are, can you say with me, the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. He's called, he's not called, he is the Lord of armies. He's in charge of all, all battle. But he says he's the prince of peace. He comes to make restitution. But if you will lean your will against God in complete foolishness, you will not win. You will not win. You will lose. And this is why Jesus came. He came to take care of your sins and all your redemption, anything you've ever done. All the sins of blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But don't blaspheme the one redemption that you have, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit through the cross. All who draw the sword will die by the sword. And this commandment does not also, does not address the killing of animals, uh, letter D. Every creature that moves along the ground and all the fish of the sea are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. 
just as I gave the green plants, I now give you everything. And, I, and when I say this, I'm not saying that God is saying, let's kill the animals and eat them. God is saying that there are sustenance for that. I know I live in Utah, so this is not like I'm preaching this in California, where, where people are crying in the audience. But I, I just want to be biblical here. Is Jesus ate fish. He killed them and ate them. Uh, it wasn't sushi. I'm not sure about this, but I think he deep fried them. It's one of the miracles. It wasn't recorded, but he created tartar sauce right on the spot. It was, I don't know if it was recorded in one of the Bibles. I think it's in Second Hesitations. <laughs> or Third Reclusions. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, but, you know, God wants us to care for our animals. The next slide there, yeah. He created them. Amen? And then the Proverbs are so clear. It says the righteous care for the needs of their animals but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. And, and we, I know that there is a sacrificial system in the Old Testament where animals were killed, but you have to understand that those, that is a reluctant death. This isn't God going, let's kill a bunch of animals. This is God in sorrow. He mentions it many times where he doesn't want this sacrifice. He desires mercy instead. He desires love over it. He desires obedience over that. But it is a representation of our sin. It's either you being sacrificed for your sin, blood for blood, or something being sacrificed. And we know that that representation ends up representing Jesus Christ who becomes the lamb, the animal, the lamb of God, slain for our sin. How many are thankful that Jesus paid the price for our sins? He was sacrificed. So, But this isn't addressing this 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 uh, sermon. So what is the Bible talking about when it says thou shalt not murder? And let's get right to it. The first one is intentional killing. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm not going to read that whole Noah there, but you shall not murder. Can everyone say others? Turn to someone and say, I shouldn't murder you because this is the reality. You might think that's, that's strange, but it's not. Tens of thousands of people are killed in America every year in cold blood. Every hour, two or three people are killed every day. Just boom, 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 boom. People are killed all the time, all over, just in America. They say there's more homicidal deaths in the five biggest U.S. cities than the entire running total of U.S. soldiers' deaths through the entire war on terror. Okay? Understand, God's command here is because he cares about life. Don't kill. You're created in my image. Amen? Okay. Ezekiel 33, 11 says it this way. As surely as I live. Look at, look at how s- strong the sovereign God says it. As surely as I'm alive, says God. I take no pleasure in the death, even of the wicked but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, 
Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? This isn't just a shout to us. This is a shout to his people that he adopted. He's saying, why are you being like this? They backbiting and destroying each other. There was like gossip that would just work through. You could see it with Miriam and Aaron. They, they were severely disciplined by the Lord for just gossiping about Moses. Moses this and Moses that. And kaboom. And it happens in families. People go, my dad, he's like this. And they start talking about dad. They start talking about mom or my cousin this. And it becomes this big gossip. You know what my dream of when we planted this church? I dreamed of a church that wouldn't gossip. It just didn't come true. (laughs) You know what I mean? It didn't come true, but I'm still hoping. You know what I mean? How many say amen? In other words, you talk about people in the best light. If you got a problem, tell them in love, in secret, in person. It's better to tell somebody what their problem is in person. Jesus or God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. <sighs> okay, two, self-killing. I know this is a touchy subject, and there's not a person in here that hasn't probably been touched by suicide in some way. And if you have a loved one that's been lost in suicide. I'm not here to condemn that person. You know, how many know that God has mercy even for the people that are broken beyond their own recognition? You know, the, the, the cross of Christ is sufficient. But I'll just say this is suicide is never a good thing in scripture. You see, or Athapal, you know, gets discouraged and kills himself. Samson, you know, does one sin after another, but he finally destroys the Philistines, but he does it and kills himself in the process. You know, you know, we have Judas here that I put that scripture up there. He goes into the temple because he betrayed Christ. He wasn't a believer. He went and hanged himself. Listen, you can't murder others and you can't murder yourself because you don't belong to you. You don't know this, but you belong to God. You are his. And he's saying, I don't want you to kill yourself and I don't want you to kill others. Every year in America, 400,000 people try to take their own life. 30,000 succeed. Do you know that 5,000 of them are teenagers? 5,000. You know, I'm, I, had a, I had a friend of my mom and, and my parents that are Dutch. They live in Holland. In Holland, they have the euthanasia. They lowered the age a few years ago, two years ago, I think it was, to 12. That means a 12-year-old, without any supervision, can just take matters into their own hands with a doctor. No offense to you 12-year-olds, but you don't know what's going on. You get depressed about things that you don't even need to be depressed about yet. You know, a, a girl, you know how many times I've been dumped by girls when I was 12? <laughs> Look at this face. I had a lot of hope. And, and trust me, it, it, it didn't matter. You get discouraged, you get depressed. And, and the thing is, you get stronger through it. You find God's hope through your bummer days to find better days. And then you can help each other and you find purpose. And, you know, whether you're young or you're old, and you just go, man, I've just gotten so lonely and brokenhearted and your soul's aching. And I know what that's like. Trust me, I know what it's like. This isn't me trying to empathize some way. I can really understand this. Life can have its discouraging moments, but God always has hope in the morning. 
And it's good to share. It's why we have community groups in base camp. It's good to live in community because you get people around you to tell you the truth about who you are. And you might have a bunch of flaws. And you might have people around you with even more flaws. That's okay. God's able to bring healing. That's what he does. Commit it to him. (sighs) Don't murder others and don't murder yourself. Have mercy. One last thing I'll say about that is some people, I'm just going to read what I wrote because I wanted to say it to, I don't want to misspeak. Some people say they just want to end it all, but suicide doesn't end it all. Not for your family, not for your friends. It's hard on them, even though they still love you. It's still hard on them. I've seen it. I've walked through this before many times with people. It gives them even more pain and grief And think about it. You think you're just going to go into some oblivious place? You're going to stand before God the next second. The next second you'll be stand before God. And I told you that God's grace is big enough, and it is. But why have that shame of unfinished business and disregard for the God that you're going to look at? Why not wait for your time when life just comes? You'll die soon enough. Life goes by fast. Being 24 now. It's been like three years since I've been 21. It's amazing. It's how time's just flown by. Number three, and this is a tough one because abortion is a very common thing. And if you're here, again, let me just encourage you. You've gone through it. And I have, I have a lot of friends. We have a lot of close friends who've, who've gone through this. And I'm not here to condemn you. And, and I'm not even here to say that you had some spirit of murder to do this. You know, some people in, in our culture has dumbed down what life is. It really has. And, and it becomes almost practical. Like, could I or should I? And I understand that. I really do. But I want you to know that God still calls it life. It's scientifically life. In other, in other words, when you first get replication, when the proteins and the things, when the con- conce- conceiving happens, life begins to go. If you don't stop it, uh, put an end to it, it'll keep going. The, the word brephos is used eight times in the Hebrew um, concerning infant, and that's why I use the word infanticide, is that it's used six times for an infant out in the world already, and it's used twice for an infant inside the womb as well. Jeremiah says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And man, I have a lot of mercy for for women who've gone through this. And and men too. I've talked to men who made the decision, and at the time they were thinking, it's the best decision, it's a practical thing. And, And you still, something in your heart of hearts still felt guilty later. And I just want to tell you, receive the forgiveness of God. Seriously, my heart's heavy just thinking about it. Receive the mercy of God. But don't deny it. Just say, Lord, I ended the life. It was wrong. Just be honest with God. Whether you could have handled it or not, there could have been some other way. And if you're contemplating it, listen, you know how many parents I meet who are trying to have kids? Just from a practical perspective. How many, how many kids, you know? And, you know, you see, you see famous, you know, people who, who were supposed to be aborted and then they weren't and they lived. 
And, and I, I, I believe that the Bible really teaches, you know, that they can be very in the presence of God immediately. So you can look at it from a merciful thing. Wow, I just brought them mercy. But that's not the perspective we need to have. We need to understand that it's life. How many say amen? amen. So don't be condemned, be forgiven. And understand I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm really not. Or question your motives because you know what they were, not me. I don't know. You know. But God calls it life and he says, do not kill others. Do not kill yourself. You know, and then he says, you know, do not, um, um, I'm sorry, I missed the last one. Yeah, do not kill um, your offspring. And the fourth one is indirect killing. You can't hire somebody, number four, to kill for you. This is kind of obvious, right? I mentioned this one already with David and Uriah. I'm not going to mention this one again. And then number five, and this is the one I'm going to close with here, not just a scripture, I have a few, just quick scriptures. Heart killing. You shall not kill or murder with your tongue or someone's insides. God is saying that that same spirit of murder, I'm not talking about the person that I was just talking about a moment ago. I'm talking about the person with an intent to kill. The Bible says, and Jesus says, it is within, within, out of a person's heart that evil comes. And you know this if you're honest with yourself. You know this. I know this. This isn't me just preaching at you. Trust me, I read these scriptures too. It isn't like I read them and I go, well, that's good for them. I read these things and I get convicted too because I know that from within my heart, evil, that's where it comes from. I didn't learn it or read some magazine to get it into my heart. It was already there. It may have stirred it up, but it's already within the heart. And it says, he says, immorality, theft, murder, greed. He names all these things, folly, our stupidity. It's a nice word for stupidity, folly. All these evils come from inside and they defile a person. This is his commentary. 1 John 3.15 says it this way. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. What? He's saying it's the same spirit. The same thing that you look at him and you go, man, you... In other words, if you finished it out in just the right way with a rock in your hand, think Israel in the past... You'd put them down. And trust me, me and my brothers growing up, we did some serious damage. You know, musical instruments over each other's heads, like guitars, throwing knives, all kinds of stuff. It says, no murder has eternal life residing in him. When you are in this mode, trust me, it's not God. It's the sinful nature. Do I hear an amen? Amen. It's not the eternal life, the Christ in you. That scripture in 1 John says, in him there is no sin, there is no darkness at all. Right? If you claim to be in that fellowship where you're going, oh, we're totally united in this, don't deceive yourselves. You know, it also says if you deny as being a sinner, the truth is not in you either. There's the contrary to it. And James 4, and we're going to close right here. I'm sorry, I've got two scriptures left. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Isn't that true? Raise your hand if this is true. Just point to yourself, go, hey, it's me. Okay? He says, you desire 
but you do not have, so you kill. And I'm not talking about just because you want it, then you kill someone. That is so apropos. But he's talking about, I want this raise, you jerk. I want that parking spot. Come on, you all drive in Utah. Right? Haven't you ever driven down the street and you thought, how did this idiot get a license? And then you just start daydreaming. What if I had a machine gun? I I start writing movies for myself. It's going to be Expendables 5. It's going to be me and James Cherry and Pete Kawamura. We're going to have machine guns on the top of our car. Riding down the freeway. And then I go, that's right, i got to get to church. Better turn left here. <laughs> you covet because you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And if you know how that scripture ends, I quoted it this morning. And it says, you ask with wrong motives. I want this. I want this. I need this. i got to have this. I need this job. I need this raise. I need this whatever. Listen, it's great to have these right desires, but keep them in check. And if they go farther than they need to be, and you can feel them, they're not coming from God. You say, Lord, change my heart now. My heart's not right. And let the eternal life move into your soul and change you. John 10, 10, this is the last scripture. The thief comes, can you say with me, only. He comes only. Only, this is his motive. He's already walked away from God. He's independent. He put himself higher than God. My morals are better. My beauty is better. Imagine the beauty of Satan and eventually going, hey, why are they worshiping him? They ought to worship me. People do that up. They get dressed up and they go, man, I look good. I I don't have that problem, but others do. (laughs) Thief comes only to steal. Listen, and to what? Kill. He comes to kill. Thou shalt not kill. He comes to kill you. He wants to take you down verbally. He he brings the accuser. He's the accuser. He brings accusations. You know the only thing that stops the accusations? The cross. It's not whether they're true or not. How many have been accused of things that are true? And they could break you down, but I'm telling you, the cross breaks the enemy of the accuser because there is nothing to accuse you anymore. You are redeemed. And Jesus says, I come that they may have life. Thou shalt not kill. Don't kill others. Don't kill your family. If you've done any of these things verbally, why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to give you a chance to honest, be honest and repent to God. I'm not going to have you look up to me. I will have the base camp leaders come forward. Will you just be honest? Please don't, uh, don't feel you've got to please me or please anybody else. I just want you to be honest with God. And just eyes closed. Don't, please don't look around like I want to see who else did this. But you know in your own heart that you've had a murderous thoughts, the anger, bitterness, rage. You might even daydream about it. And it may not even be like I'm going to kill them. It could be. But it could also be something like, gosh, you know, just so I can't. You want to bring them down. I'm telling you, you've got to let that go. But would you admit it first? Just raise your hand with me. and Just say, I've had these thoughts. Bitterness, rage, anger, murderous thoughts toward my brother, toward my sister, toward my co-worker. 
and just say, Lord, forgive me. Just say it to him. Say, Lord, forgive me. This isn't right. No matter what's been done, it's not right. God is the avenger, not you. The second of all is, you know, maybe if you've, you've spread gossip so that other people will bring death to them. Indirect killing. You know, let me spread some gossip so others will say this about them and they'll get destroyed that way. It can happen in your, in your home. It can happen in your neighborhood. If that's you, just say, man, I've done that. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my tongue. Change my soul. And maybe you need redemption. Just, you know, it's in the past, but, you know, you, you had an abortion and you need the forgiveness and the mercy of God. You just say, Lord, please forgive me. If that's you, you, you know you need the redemption. Just raise your hand with me. It could be man and female. If not, you can raise your hand for somebody else. Just say, Lord, I need your forgiveness and mercy. And keep your eyes closed, but let me tell you, you have it. You have his mercy. You have his forgiveness. Be forgiven right this moment. And Lord, we also turn, and last of all, you, look, you want the fullness of life that God has. You want that full restoration. And you want it in your family. You can't find it. You're quarreling and trying to get it. You're coveting things. But you've got to let it go. And you say, Lord, only you bring life. And you bring it to the fullness. If that's you, which is with me, I'm saying yes. Would you just raise both hands to God? Just say, Lord, that's what I want. I want your life. I want the fullness. I want Christ. I want him in my soul. I want him to deliver me. Lord, do your best. Do your work in me by your power. In Jesus' name. And the last thing is if you need to grow in discipleship, you need some coaching and mentoring, you also want to know how to live life doing church. What does that mean exactly? It's not a building. It's how to get mentored and coached. That's what base camp is. It's a launching point for that. I want to encourage you to grab one of these base camp leaders. Or if you need prayer, come see them afterwards. And have a blessed day. How many found something good today? Come on. Can we praise God? Thank you, Lord.